There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lead with Empower podcast. The the guest we have today is Dynamite Individual, and he is, I would say, probably he's a podcaster himself, amongst other things, but having listened to a a handful of episodes, he's so much better than I am at tracking (laughs) episode numbers. So I'm not even going to try. I know we're in season two, and we've had a great start to season two. And really excited to have Steve Opelinik here. He is a a gentleman I met, goodness, like 11 or so years ago through our work with the LACES program at Springfield College and and with, you know, through AmeriCorps grant and LACES was leaders in academics, community engagement and services or service. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. How the heck are you, my friend? Good, man. I, I feel like having the dynamite um, precursor to my introduction, I just have to start by saying, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, excited to have you on. How it's a pleasure, are you, man. family? All, you know, obviously, we're in the middle of an interesting year, to say the least. Yeah. How, you know, before we get into any of the 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 serious content of this episode how are you all holding up up there everybody healthy everybody safe yeah everyone's healthy everyone's safe we're adapting trying to find new ways to do the same old stuff Um, maybe not better ways but definitely new ways to keep going and and keep banging it out and keep moving forward right on and you you know we as before we got uh going on and before we signed on you mentioned you have a five-year-old, soon-to-be six-year-old yeah. daughter. How is, like, I could imagine distance learning for, like, high school students, right? Yeah. I can't imagine what that is like for the young, yeah. young, young puppies. <laughs> How is that going on the home front? And do you have any responsibilities with the, uh, the, the, the distance learning scenario there? So I, I am lucky enough to have an awesome wife and we sat down and really talked about, so my daughter would be going into kindergarten and we decided to homeschool her. So um, because kindergarten in, in Massachusetts, you don't really need a curriculum approved until you're in first grade. We decided we were going to take the year rather than have her be on devices for three, four hours a day to do, you know, small meetings and, and, you know, things of that nature, or take the hybrid model that some schools are doing. We decided that we were going to keep her home. Uh, we're going to work on trying to be generative in, in our plan, but also not stifling in educating her and introduce a bunch of new stuff to her too that maybe in kindergarten she wouldn't get that chance to do. And she loves dinosaurs. She loves um, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, she loves sword fighting. So we're incorporating a bunch of different things into how we do it. I do have to say my my influence is kind of minimal. Uh, I'm there in the morning, then I have to come to work. Um, so my wife is doing the bulk, but um, 
it's going okay. <laughs> as okay as it can be, because I, I feel like young kids do not want their parents to be teachers. So it is, you're constantly reframing, hey, would you do this to your teacher? And she'll say no. And then we'll say, why are you doing it to me right now? <laughs> you know? So, you know, oh, it, it's working. <laughs> the work. She'll, she'll survive, I think. Oh yeah. It sounds like she's like an A student though. So that's, that's good. <laughs> um, so we re reconnected a few weeks ago uh, and it was kind of out of luck. I saw a social post about a webinar you have coming up. Yeah. And, on the 21st. Yeah. On the 21st, right around the corner, uh, building resilient youth during the, the, the challenging times. Give us some, um, tell us a little bit about, that webinar and for anybody that's listening that might be interested, how would they uh, go about signing up for said webinar? Um, so that's a, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> so the webinar came about because I, I had done some stuff for Wilbraham Munson Academy. Um, I luckily I had a colleague who was asked to speak there cause she knew one of the middle school um, administration. She couldn't do it. So she passed my name along. And so I went and worked with Wilbraham on two panel um, presentations. One was on technology and youth, and the other was on anxiety. And this was before COVID ever happened. And on the second panel about anxiety, there was an administrator for Hamden uh, Wilbraham school systems. And she, Gina, she's fantastic. Um, she was presenting and we just talked about what the Promethean Project is, my nonprofit um, that I run with my brother and sister and wife. And so we were talking and so we, we made a connection um, and she came to me a couple times. We were gonna do a vaping seminar, but that got rescheduled. And then she wanted to do a resilience one. She outreached to me and I put some stuff together. So I'm really excited about it because I think it's really important and I hope it, you know, if Gina's listening or anyone's listening, I hope it leads to bigger things because I do think a curriculum on mental health being taught in the schools is really important. I'd love to put it together. I have a couple of colleagues I've been talking to about making that happen. So if anyone's listening and has leads to do it, hit me up. Um, I want to do that because I think it's, it's important to have kids in, in therapy and connecting and problem solving, but it's also important for them to understand what mental health is because I think there's a lot of stigma and misnomers about it. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the presentation. Uh, presentations really focusing on what uh, COVID and this pandemic kind of does to mental health, how it may affect it on different age levels, but also what we can do as parents and um, adults in young people's lives to help facilitate resilience. Um, basically looking at a bunch of different key factors for resilience building and then more, more than that, just how we can maintain our own practices as uh, influential adults to help them model um, those practices. And so uh, you can check it out on social media, uh, Facebook, uh, go to the Promethean Project. Um, there's, <laughs> so so when, I first, when I first made it, um, I added some weird title after that. And I, I never remember what it is because it's not the name of the actual nonprofit. It's like the Promethean Project uh, Wellness or something of that nature. But just search the Promethean Project. If you see a hand, a black hand holding a, a black flame, that's, that's our symbol. You go on there. Um, it has the information. You can click on um, the, the link 
you can register and they'll send you a Zoom link before the 21st and you can check it out there. I'll, uh, and I'll include uh, your social information in the uh, nice. our episode notes and I'll make sure I find the right. Uh, yeah, find the right for me. Project, <laughs> apparently I, I have no idea what our Facebook page is called. <laughs> Oh man, so I should have mentioned this in your formal introduction, but Steve is a, a licensed mental health uh, counselor, uh, a BA in psychology from UMass Amherst, uh, master's in education, marriage and family therapy and counseling from Springfield College. That's yeah. when we crossed paths for the first time. It's also a, a certified personal trainer um, and then a whole bunch of other acronyms that are under your uh, your title. It looks like I'm yoga. Going for that. I'm going for the alphabet, man. You are, I man. I'll tell I you, I, I, I had the scroll out, you know, as I was jotting <laughs> down some notes. Um, but uh, yoga as a 12-step recovery program, yeah. um, progressive calisthenic certification, which yeah, uh, very interested one. about that. Um, anyway, Steve is all about, um, or based on you know the information and looking at your your employment record, you know your working with youths and, and other maybe young adults and adults who are, um, you know, looking to improve their overall health, wellness, their well-being. Um, and based on our, our limited time working together back in the day, uh, seems like it's right in the wheelhouse based on our, our summer yeah. of, of fun back in 2009. <laughs> summer of fun. Uh, I re, you know, I remember a lot from that is, is John Plord eating a bunch of ramen noodles at 12 o'clock at night in the hallway. <laughs> and, the, and he was like 140 pounds. Like, if I did that, I'd, I'd be 300 pounds. Like, yeah. I was jealous of that. <laughs> Just two ramen noodles or, or double packets of, of flavor he would add to it. <laughs> disappear for like 10 minutes, come back with just bowls of ramen noodles. I hope he's listening. Like John and I still connect. We still talk. Actually, a lot of the, the guys from that program we and um, some of the women, we still talk a lot, like Antel and I, um, Alad, um, you know, a lot of them. John Plord and I go on hikes every once in a while and, and had a couple times over the pandemic. We, we went for some hikes in the woods and hung out. So it's pretty, pretty uh, awesome experience and lifelong connection. So Anyone who's ever done something like that knows, and anyone who hasn't, they should do it. Um, yep. Commit to that because it's amazing. Agree, agree, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit um, as we get into the episode. But to start, you know, I'm running down. You had a lot of experiences, whether it be internships as part of your your educational programs, and then you know, in your in your professional career, all you know, counseling, uh, mental health, uh, you know, tra personal training. And then in 2015, you and your siblings founded the Promethean Project. Um, yeah. tell, tell our listeners a little bit about um, starting, about uh, general information about the Promethean Project. What, yeah, sure. what's, the, what's the mission? What's the goal? Um, and that's how we'll get going with the episode here, Steve. Yeah. Um, so originally, the Promethean Project started as my personal training venture. And originally, it was called the Prometheus Project, which... I, I didn't like the ring as much, but um, there was a time in my life where I was struggling because I was doing a lot of counseling, mental health stuff. I was burning out on it. I like physical fitness and I was wondering if I could make that jump into personal training and just kind of leave the mental health counseling behind because there was so much, there's so much drama, so much politics that go into it. And um, so I started doing some 
um, training for the Prometheus project. And then the light bulb kind of went off and said, I could do both of these things. And actually that, that'd be more integrative and supportive to the clients I work with if I take a look at how mental health and physical health are actually one and the same. And we often think the mind-body connection, but really the mind and the body are the same thing. And if you look at the definition of a mind, it is, it's related to the mental aspect of things, but it's also how you make sense of the world, right? Like yeah. your mind is how you make sense of the world. So if you look at it, obviously your, your brain is part of your body that's connected, but also your body has so much input in how we make sense of what's going on. So even in that way, your body is a mind too. So they're the same thing. We often equate them differently, but I was thinking about it and I was like, there's no place that really focuses on all integrative approach to both of these things. There are some places that will teach yoga in that connection. They'll, they'll teach some, some other aspects too. But our idea, my idea with the Promethean project was, okay, a fully functioning wellness center that would have many modalities to it. So it'd be a gym, right? You could go and work out, but there'd also be mental health providers in that same space. There'd be massage therapists. There would be Reiki providers. There would be nutritionists, all, all these different aspects to it um, so that you can come and work on integrative health. And then we could make actual integrative treatment plans that would any provider you had would have that access so that no one's um, missing what the person's working on so that my primary care is not telling me something different than my mental health counselors. Yep. Um, and I brought it to my brother and sister because way back when, I think when I was in college for my, my bachelor's, we were joking around about one day getting a building and I'd counsel in it and my brother would teach martial arts in it and my sister would do therapy dog training because she, she's a vet tech. And I came to them and I asked them, what do you think about this? And they were on board. And then we're all bad with money. So I asked my wife to be the treasurer. <laughs> we're we're, it's not a skill that we learned really well. Um, and so the Promethean Project was born. We were trying to figure out how we would want to do it. And we all agreed to make it a nonprofit because we want it to be community run and not only just us in, imposing our will on what we think, but having the community be part of actual the board and how we do it. Um, and so we're taking our time to build it up right now. We're, we're doing some small programs um, on counseling in the, in the aspect. We got our first, um, first actual office here in Amherst. And so we're, we're going to expand, but right now we're taking it slow so we can make the connection so we can do it right. Yep. That's great. That's great. And, and you touched on, I think, two valuable leadership lessons uh, right out of the gate, knowing strengths and weaknesses and, and, uh, if finance was the weakness of the three founders, you got to bring somebody in to take care of business <laughs> yeah. on that side and kind of, you know, have that uh, humility to bite the bullet and say, this, this isn't a complete team. We need, we need this extra person. Uh, and yeah. if it happens to be your wife, they keep it in the family. There you go. Yeah, um, and I like that, that methodology of, of just, you know, you know where you want to go, but why work in haste and, and not, you know, I guess pour that foundation to the best of your ability. So it could be something that's, you know, sustainable over the long yeah. haul. I mean, um, don't get me wrong. I, there are moments where I'm like, I just want to do this. I just want to do this and go full tilt. But I do think it's wise for all of us to, especially now, I'm really glad we took our time because it'd be really hard to kind of keep this running um, full force in, in the midst of COVID. So I'm, yeah. it's been, it's a blessing in disguise that we took our time. So what, um, 
how how challenging was it to to make the jump into that kind of entrepreneur nonprofit? What were there any of those internal battles of is this the right thing to do? Are we going to be able to survive? Give us a little insight into the decision making process that either yeah. you know, for you or you and your siblings to, yeah. to make the choice to move forward with it. Um, they, there were many of those talks and it wasn't like one of us was, was running uh, or opposing each other. I think we were all really tentative because we, we had the passion, we had the expertise, but we weren't quite sure how to run a business. <laughs> um, and so, and one of the benefits of hanging back is what we found was if we put the message out there, a lot of people would come to us and support us. So we got the nonprofit status through a friend of mine's mother, who's an accountant. Um, she was talking to us about how to do it. And she got us in touch with a lawyer and he agreed to do all the paperwork for the cost of filing. Uh, as long as we, once we got open, we like reconnected so uh, we can connect to him and, and have uh, help some of the people he knew of. Yeah. Um, so that was cool that that just kind of fell into place. And then I actually got in touch with this company called Valley Venture Mentors, who is in the Springfield area. And, and their whole thing is, you know, educating on entrepreneurship and mentoring. And if you get into the program, it's a six month long program where for three days a month, you'd go and they just teach you everything. Yeah. Um, and they give you a stipend and, and so that you can afford to go in. And so that was really educational for us and shaping. We had the nonprofit status, but we still had no idea what that meant. Um, so we shaped our business plan. We shaped uh, financial planning around that, what we're going to charge once we get everything going. We made networking connections and, and really met some amazing people. And it also got me up on stage to pitch the nonprofit. So I got really well versed on how, how to talk about it. Um, even though it was fear inspiring at times. I, you put me in front of a crowd, I can wing it and kind of make anything up, but give me eight minutes to pitch stuff I'm not confident on. Um, it's a challenge, but yeah. it's good. Cause that's kind of what we're, our whole deal is to try to people try to get people outside of their comfort zone so they can grow. And so I looked at it every time I was anxious about it. I looked at it and was like, I tell people this all the time. So now I got to live it. Yeah. Um, and so it was challenging. And a lot of times in that program, um, you know, higher ups who knew business said, you got a great model. Why don't you make it for profit? And, you know, we could do it. But again, like I said, the whole reason we made it was community to have a piece of it. And, and yeah, I want to survive off it, but I, I, I don't have any plans of getting really rich and buying a yacht. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I'm okay with, uh, you know, living and, and surviving and, and hopefully thriving in, in my spiritual and, and philosophical beliefs, you know? Yeah. And there's, I, I think, you know, depending on the person, I think fulfillment can mean a lot of different things to different people. And, you know, um, you know, personally for me, you don't get into adventure education or experiential, <laughs> like to, to retire at, you know, 52. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So understand, understand where you're coming from, the, you, know, yeah. the, you know, the ability to connect and you know, be a part, whether it's a small part or a big part in the transformation of somebody is if you can do that once a day or once a week, it's pretty easy to go to bed at night. Yeah. I mean, they, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that comes along with it, but you, you find that diamond in the rough every once in a while or, or frequently with different people. And 
it, it's really affirming to, to keep going. That's um, right. Any of those that, hurdles, um, they, they make the hurdles a little easier to get over when you, when you know what it's for, you know? Yeah, I mean, I had a client tell me the other day, he was like, I think we can call it for today. It was towards the end of the session. And, and I said, yeah, you, you feeling good? And he's like, no, like, I feel good. I want to do the work, but this is also some heavy shit. So let's call it for today. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so one, it was, it was kind of cool because he felt comfortable enough to, to have that conversation with me and didn't feel like, oh, we got 10 more minutes. I have to make stretch this out. And then two, it was cool to hear him say, okay, I know my limits, let's do this. and I'm going to go do the work. Yep, absolutely. And that's a, it's a great point. And, you know, we talk a lot about in our work, uh, you know, there's the comfort zone bubble and then there's the stretch zone bubble, which is really where that development takes place. And beyond that is the, 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 the panic zone line where, right. you know, all that negative stuff happens. And it's, it's, it's great to hear, you know, somebody that you're working with recognize like, all right, I'm at, I hit my stretch. I'm bordering on stepping into that panic area. Let's, let's dial it back. We'll call it a day and uh, we'll catch up next time. <laughs> yeah. Um, touch on the, the overall, like the, the mission pitch, what's the mission statement or what's the mission of the Promethean project and give us a little insight into some of the, the, the programs that, you know, thus far you've been able to, to deliver sure. and just to, I guess, paint a picture of, of what you've done so far. I knew mentioning the pitch would really come back to bite me. Basically, the Promethean Project is a nonprofit wellness center that aims to create integrative programming and services for mental, physical, and spiritual health and wellness uh, by creating uh, different modalities of therapeutic interventions and community and supports for people who come and then also taking away some of the costs of some of these frou-frou kind of wellness services that people offer by using grants uh, to fund different programming. Uh, our goal is to create a, a truly community-owned wellness center. Um, and so, you know, I knew I had to throw frou-frou in there because it is a wellness thing <laughs> and that stuff can cost money, yep. but you know, the reality is like anything that we're looking to offer has shown that it works. And sometimes people can't access it based on means or insurance or whatever the cost may be. Um, so I do some nutritional counseling for mental health for people who may not, like I incorporate it through insurance because sometimes they may not be able to go see like a holistic nutritional counselor because a lot of times they're out of pocket payment. Yep. Um, and so when, when we're talking about the, this pitch and, and how it works, um, we really look at some of the programs that we can right off the bat find a need for and find people involved in. So we've done some leadership group for youth. We named it, um, we've done two years of it. Got a couple local grants to run it. Um, the first one, so it's named the Brian Odian uh, Youth Leadership Initiative, who's named after my cousin who passed away in Afghanistan. And because we wanted to highlight, you know, his values and, and give back to youth. Um, and so that was a youth program we did. We've done it for two years. We got a grant from Unify Against Bullying to do it this last year and then COVID hit <laughs> um, mid, mid stride. And so we did a little bit of it, um, but then we kind of turned it into more of a uh, youth group that um, meets 
every two weeks to provide social um, situations for, for youth who may not be able to go out and socialize with friends or, you know, not being in school or, or only part-time in school, have a hard time with that. Um, we have a couple other programs working uh, where I'm, I'm going to talk to someone next week and we're going to start doing some Y12SR, which is what you alluded to, the yoga as a 12-step recovery program, uh, where we have a almost a 12-step meeting followed by yoga that, that talks about the somatic use of trauma in the body and how to use yoga to, to relieve some of that and regulate the nervous system. That will be Zoom-based right now. Um, yep. But our hope is that we can get people intrigued and then we can offer it in person and Zoom based um, once COVID kind of steps back into to the marshes. And a couple other programs that have been stalled by COVID are our grant programs. Um, so we're working on building the grants. We want to do a strengthening he healthy families program, which is working on the relationships, but also looking at um, nutritional and exercise-based interventions for families so that, again, there's that model component of not only do I want you to, to kind of do the work, but I'm modeling how to do, do the work together. And then we also have a program that's named after one of the clients I lost, um, Jared Koslick um, Mentorship Program, which is uh, really where we're gonna do some of the counseling and some of, once we get the wellness center up and running, some of the interventions uh, for little to no cost for people who don't have the means to do it. That's great. That's awesome. Um, and for anybody that's interested, Steve, I'll, I'll let you off the hook on this one. The okay. <laughs> Promethean Project website is thepromethianproject.org. I love it. Thepromethianproject.org. If, um, and we'll, we'll, continue discussing that throughout our conversation. But if anybody's interested in learning more uh, about the, the services and about the mission, and there's an opportunity to listen to uh, Steve's podcast, which we'll touch on in a moment. Um, and then there's also uh, you know, an option to, to contribute as well to, to help get this thing off the ground. Um, what do you find is your I don't want to say ideal client, but are, are you predominantly working with youths? Is, um, is it a, a good mix of youths and adults? Give us a little bit of, uh, of the backstory yeah. there. Uh, so program base is mostly youth right now. Obviously we want to expand that out to encompass everyone. Um, I think in counseling, I, I, I mix it up. So I think the youngest person I've ever counseled was two. Oh, wow. Um, and the oldest person I think was around 89. So I, I like to span that gap. I do tend to, to work with more adolescent based um, clients right now, uh, but I'm spreading that out a little bit as we, we expand. And I'm really trying to figure out how, how to get my tattoos written off as tax um, exemptions because I, I feel like that's what helps me work with the youth, <laughs> youth a little bit. Because <laughs> um, they expect to come in and see this old staunchy guy who's, who's going to tell them, oh, your, your mom's right. Don't yell and scream. And then they see me usually with a full beard and just tattoos. And they're like, what is going on? <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's no ideal client. Um, you're going to edit out that voice crack, right? <laughs> no, it's perfect. Um, it's staying in. <laughs> awesome. I'll throw one in for you later on <laughs> just to keep it even. <laughs> um, there's no ideal client except... I guess what I'd say the ideal client is someone who's looking to make a change and um, 
their life for a generative future for their health and wellness. Yeah, there has to be that buy-in from the other. See, there it is. I'm not going to edit that one out. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> one for one. Let's keep a tally going. And you people listening at home, keep a tally and let us know. But yeah, to, 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 make a, to be part of a change, it's not just someone pushing an agenda, a program, content. It's got, it has to be reciprocal at some level. So I, I love that. So to be involved, there has to be a desire to, to make some sort of change in life. Yeah, I, you know, I tell parents that a lot. And I think it's hard for them to hear because they worry about their kids and I get it. Um, but there's only so much you can kind of do if the, the kid isn't there yet to notice one, that there's an issue or two to start digging deeper and, and challenging themselves. Uh, it sounds kind of lame when you say it like that but that that's life you know i'm not going to make a change in my fitness or, or nutrition until i realize there's something wrong and then i i make a decision and that's here's a little a little flavor i use in a lot of my sessions um i'm sure if any of my clients are listening they're like yep he says this a lot um <laughs> motivation is often what we hear from people oh, i wasn't motivated i can uh, you know if i just had the motivation and i think it's bullshit because i can swear on this right Yes. Okay. <laughs> S, S and A, I think we're limited to one F per episode. Oh, okay. All right. That would be my, my BS. I think it's bullshit in the sense of, um, you know, motivation isn't fairy dust. So you, you don't just sprinkle that on you and you, you're good to go. I think motivation comes from making a decision and committing to that decision and then doing some of the work and say, okay, I can keep going. I can keep doing this. I just think about running. There are days I don't want to run. Then I commit to doing at least 10 minutes. And then by the time I get to the 10 minute mark, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's keep going. Yep. And that's where motivation springs from. It's not ostensibly, ostensibly different for myself. It comes from my decision making. Yep. I, um, part of what I do with Empower is sales. I, you know, selling group events and you know, mm -hmm. workshops and whatnot. And we, so I'm a physical education background person, no, no formal sales training or business training <laughs> whatsoever. And uh, a few years back, myself and our company's founder went through a, a, a sales crash course, essentially. And we read a book, it was uh, fanatical prospecting. Okay. by this guy, Jeb Blount. And he writes a ton about, you know, sales and, 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 and that type of stuff. And um, they got on the chapter of, of cold calling and how that's important in business. And even though email is so easy, it still doesn't get to the, the impact that if, if you have a, a great session of like cold calls of what that can do. And he, he likened it to um, and no one likes to do cold calls. <laughs> no, it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> They're horrible. <laughs> like, you know, the, those moments of, of running for you or there's that, I don't know if I want to do it today. That's like the, the internal battle that I'll, I'll face in the sales side of things and the, the, the lead generation. But I, I love, he, in the book, he had a picture of somebody holding a, a frog over their mouth. And he talked about like to do the cold calls, you just have to eat the frog. Like if you sit there and stare at it oh, and avoid it and avoid it and avoid it, it's just going to get nastier and nastier over time. So it's just about taking that first step and you realize oh, 10 minutes wasn't bad. I can go for another 10 or yeah, 10 exactly. calls wasn't bad. I can go for another 10 more. So, yeah, I think like doing the cold calls, 
you also have to find a rhythm or, or a game to it that kind of keeps you going. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, here comes another one. That's here right. Comes another one, you know. And side note, frog legs are delicious. So just eat the frog. You're good to go. Eat the frog, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Leadership lesson number two from Steve. Eat the frog and go. Um, so we touched on the your podcast, which is yeah. Break the Chains, Find Your Flame. Yeah. Which is so, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so let me let me uh go back a little bit and I, I didn't explain it but the the name of of the promethean project came about because i'm a huge geek into like greek mythology and, and mythology in general and prometheus always struck me as an interesting titan because you have this hierarchy of gods and titans in that philosophy and prometheus was one that gave fire to humanity he, he took the gift of fire, which is why the logo is a hand holding fire. And he gave it to humanity. And then he, the, the part we don't talk about is how he was tortured <laughs> after <laughs> and chained to a rock and had a crow eat his insides out over and over and over and over again. Um, we can save but, that for next time you're on. Yeah. We can get into the, <laughs> the what, what, tragedy that, of, of that might be the you know, that might be the business aspect of the nonprofit <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, but so the, when we were thinking about the name of the podcast, we were working on different concepts. One was Flint and Steel um, to inspire that, that flame. So, um, you know, really connecting to the flame. So the idea of the Promethean Project was that flame was your own potential. And that's what kind of motivated you forward. So I've talked to people about it before and they're like, oh, you're giving us the potential. And I say, no, no, that's not our hand. That's your hand. Finding your own potential through doing some of the work with us to, to kind of get there. And so when we were playing around with stuff, fire starters, you know, flint and steel, all, all that cliche stuff. And then we had a tagline and a hashtag, which is just break the chains, find your flame, because we like that analogy of, breaking free from the chains of society to find your own potential. But that also there's a sly reference to Prometheus being tortured and <laughs> the flame. And so one day I was talking to my sister and my brother and I was like, why don't we just call it that? And they're like, yeah, cool. And so break the chains, find your flame. Uh, not only a motto that, that is kind of our tagline, but also the name of the podcast, which is available on all streaming uh, apps for podcasts. So check it out. And it's a good, it's a good listen too. It's, it's um, uh, joking with Steve prior to starting our episode. I think I've only listened to two podcasts in my life and uh, episode 20 of Steve's uh, podcast is, is one of the two. So yeah, I feel I mean, honored. It, it was a great listen. <laughs> yeah. And not sports related, which surprised me. I was like, Oh, thank you for listening. It doesn't have anything to do with sports. <laughs> not at all sports related. Um, and that's actually, no, I'm not going to say that. We're going to, we'll save that for later. What, <laughs> what, what is the goal? Like, so for our, for this podcast, I want to, you know, the goal for us was to connect with people who lead in different environments. And sometimes it's sport, sometimes it's in the classroom, sometimes it's in communities and, and with hopes that like someone can listen to Steve on this podcast and hear about his story and what he's doing and be inspired to, you know, it's not, you know, I guess it's not necessarily finding their, their full potential, but really discovering their, their leadership ability and their leadership of, uh, potential and, and hearing from different people to, with hopes that, hey, if, if Steve's doing it, 
Right. I had yeah. maybe a similar background. I can do it too. What's what's the what's the end game or what's the end goal for the the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast? Um, uh, so there's a couple things. There's a little bit of what what you're talking about too. I think so much of what we do in either physical health or or mental health or even spiritual health, um, there's stigma to it. And actually, the episode you're you're talking to. We are talking about episode 20. It was called uh, Stigma is Curable. I love that name so much. I pull most of the names of the titles from conversations I have with that, that guest. So a lot yeah. of it will relate to the actual content of the episode. And I loved it so much that I made a t-shirt out of it. I'm wearing one right now. You guys can't see. It's pretty dope, though. Hit me up That's if you want shirt. one. <laughs> I'll give you two, thumb, two thumbs up for it. And... Um, uh, so the idea behind it was to get people's stories out there. I, I, I wanted to do podcasting and storytelling because I, I think it's very strong. It's really important to break down stigma through the idea of getting to know people that you don't know, different viewpoints, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures, different lives that, that they lived. And not only talk to them about what they do and their expertise, because a lot of the guests will have uh, backgrounds in meditation or yoga or you know training or mental health counseling or whatever it is uh, mindfulness and not only talk about that but also have them engage and talk about their own struggles their own chains that have limited them and how if they have found their potential or found some pathway to, the, to it how did they get there so not only are they telling their story but they're also uh, giving pointers on what what's worked for them and so i i think it's really cool to have people dive into that because i definitely have a couple guests that uh come in and they're ready to talk about it and i don't i should probably do better at preferencing like you know that we're going to get into their story a little bit too uh, but they're really nice and, and generative and they have no problem um and so it's a, it's a lot of fun to connect with them it's also really nice that to hold that space and have them trust in me to to put that content out there so yeah uh, the goal would be to help other people who may be struggling with something similar or um may be stuck and maybe one listen will help them get over that hurdle for the day um we actually had heidi on heidi yep, um, i saw that yep that's we, next on the listen list and <laughs> her that was a great podcast because it, it both hit at the same time of her sobriety from alcohol and mine. And uh, so we had a really good conversation about that and, and how she's gotten to where she's at and how empowered she feels. So that's it, pretty awesome. It's awesome too. That, and you touched on it, the, the, the idea of, of telling the story with hopes that if just one person hears it and there's that connection, even though they've never met this person, but they're maybe going through a similar set of experiences that they can say, oh man, this person kind of had the same journey and they're, you know, again, depending on how you define success, but they're now, you know, achieving some success in life, whether it be financial yeah. or just that, again, internal fulfillment. Um, and it, it ties uh, a few weeks back, I had an assistant superintendent from uh, Windsor Public Schools here in Connecticut, Dr. Terrell Hill. Um, and he's, uh, he told me a story, one of his earlier in his career teaching jobs, he was the only te uh, black teacher 
in in a school district that he was at and and we got on the top and he actually started a, a an organization called black ink uh black oh, cool. leaders and uh, uh administrators consortium and it's really designed for people of color who are in education to provide resources and a network so that they can make you know make the step into administration yeah. into superintendents and the same thing came up like you know he, and i forget what the numbers were like just the, the percentage of teachers who are white who yeah. you know may have a classroom of, of predominantly black students and to have a black student sit in a classroom with a black teacher to look at him like hey i could do this yeah. or uh, be be part of a school with a black principal i can do that um you know just i'm gonna have know, to get his contact from you he's dynamite he's dynamite dr hill and he's actually from springfield originally um but yeah, he would be a great list and I'll definitely get you guys connected right, for cool. sure. Um, oh, one, one, one thing okay. I forgot about the podcast. Uh, we're, we've mentioned laces and, and connections a little bit. If you listen closely into not the first introduction, but when it, it, on the podcast, when it kicks to the guest interview, uh, Ansel Garvey did the voice of the announcer uh, for that little segment. So that's Ansel from Laces. Uh, really? in a world <laughs> so keeping that laces tight up the, the hired gun i like it <laughs> I um so i was i was doodling around on your website earlier today mm -hmm. and i saw a picture that made me laugh so you were doing and it, it looked like some sort of adventure experiential <laughs> yeah, yeah. building workshop mm -hmm. and there was the activity stepping stones mm-hmm and can you confirm for me that those were white paper plates? Oh yeah, <laughs> they were white. White paper. Hey, I'm running a nonprofit. We don't have a lot of money, so yes, they were white paper plates. Uh, and they, they worked a little bit until a girl decided she wanted to do the splits on them, and still worked. But she had a hard time getting back up without falling off of the stepping stones. And and, on, and I'm, not, I'm I bring this up and I chuckled because. In 2009 for Empower, our first ever team building group was with a high school baseball team. And it was because of a connection uh, myself and, and Joe, our founder, had with the, with the school and the coach. And yeah. uh, we, we had no, we were a brand new company it, that started during an economic crisis. So you know, didn't have a lot of resources there. And yeah. we did stepping stones with this group of high school baseball students with uh, paper plates <laughs> yeah. uh, on a, on a trap rock path. And <laughs> nice. um, they weren't ever used again. Like it was a one and done step. They're just stone, done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You go above and beyond, you know, you, sometimes you have to get creative to provide yeah. the experience that's going to provide the learning. So I, I, I chuckled not out of uh, any sort of um, negative yeah, yeah no, no. it was like oh yeah that's awesome been there done that yeah. i mean <laughs> it's, step it's, is, it's part of ad adaptation you know that's right next step is teach. the uh foam yoga mats from walmart if you cut them off those are beautiful oh that's perfect clothes. yeah a little bit more okay. durable too <laughs> all right next purchase walmart we're coming for you that's right not too dangerous on the wallet either it's a good uh, it's <laughs> yeah. a good deal <laughs> um so we're gonna reverse course here a little bit um you attended UMass Amherst uh, in yeah. psychology. Give us a little bit, if you can remember back then, um, Steve, as a high school student making this decision to choose this path, 
Um, give us a little background insight into that uh, part of your life, Steve. Okay. Um, yeah, it was weird. I remember, I think I only ever had one meeting with my high school guidance counselor. And I think it was to do a, like an aptitude test. And I remember it being awkward because I was out the week that they were doing them. And so I had to go sit in his office. And I remember saying, I didn't even know these ex offices existed. And so I did it. The results came back and they were like, you should be in psychology. And I said, like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. I like talking to people. I remember, you know, the Seavers from Growing Pains and Alan Thicke's character was a counselor and they seemed to have a decent amount of money. So I was like, okay, cool. I could, I could have a house like that. Okay, let's do it. And so I applied to a bunch of different places and uh, UMass, uh, Northeastern, BU, BC, a um, couple other places. And, uh, and they all came back and, you know, I made it into to the, not to brag, but like I made it into the colleges and then it became about money and proximity. And I said, well, you know, um, just go to UMass. I'm 15 minutes away from it in Belchertown. Um, so that'll be, it'll be around. And also it's, back then it wasn't too expensive. I think, yeah. I think I left grad school, I mean, uh, undergrad school owing like $15,000 from UMass, something, something crazy like that, which is ridiculous if you look at it nowadays. Oh God. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, that's a good deal. I was going to live at home, but then I got accepted into like a, advanced placement kind of psychology group. And so I actually lived on, on uh, the college in the towers Southwest, which was ridiculous. And <laughs> so like making that, I, I remember kind of just plodding along like, okay, this seems to be going the right way. I never really, it wasn't a huge passion. And actually halfway through college, I switched to a history major because it was like, oh, this is disheartening learning about all these disorders. And then realized I like history, but in terms of the history channel and books I read and not in terms of term papers and things of that nature. Yep. And so I switched back to psychology. Um, so it was a, you know, don't let anyone listening, don't let in going into college, don't let anyone tell you not to explore or that you have to know right away what you're going to do because you don't, it, it's the reality of life. Um, use that first couple of years to explore and really see what, what sticks to you and, and really work through it. But yeah. that was kind of the, the model. I was, I was just being led. And so I took it. And then finally, when I went to grad school at Springfield College, that's when I took control of, you know, what I wanted to do instead of just being led. So we, we've obviously, we've touched on the LACES program and mm -hmm. that started, I want to say the first summer was back in like 2005, maybe. Okay. Um, and that was just a pilot summer where we did one session and we, you know, tried to figure it out. And then the following summer was the, I think the four two week sessions, the nine weeks of the summer being eaten up. Um, I, I look back on that for, and I think I, I was part of that program from 05 until 09 was my last year. Yeah. Um, I look back on that and it was, didn't realize it at the time as much as I, I do now looking back, but it was such a cool program where the traditional day camp experience for youths and young adults in Springfield. And then in week two, there was this overnight live on campus, live the life of a college student, do a research <laughs> project. Yeah. Um, it, it was so cool. And there, there were students I ended up 
teaching afterwards and that, oh, that's you know, awesome it, it, yeah it was really interesting um what <laughs> i get i thought it was a, it was a great way for someone who wanted to get into this type of work you know human development really right you can yeah kind of lump it under that big umbrella. It was a great program to cut your teeth because you did some of the experiential stuff. You did some of the research stuff. There's a ton of the social dynamic within the different groups. What yeah. were some of your, I guess, takeaways from your couple summers in the LACES program that kind of stick with you now as a professional? Yeah, so it's funny because I got to Springfield College for a grad student and I had no idea what, what to do I remember meeting Nikki um, in, who was in the LACES, I mean, the uh, AmeriCorps program, she was running, like, assistant in that, and talking to her and talking about doing AmeriCorps work. And really, the LACES thing came up because uh, Teddy knew my uncle, who ran a golf course. At Scottish Meadows, yeah. Scottish Meadows. <laughs> That's right. My, my uncle Mike. <laughs> and, and so somehow they got talking. And I don't, I don't, to this day, I still don't know how it landed on my lap. And uh, I think my uncle, cause I used to, I think I used to ball, I used to work at that, that golf club too. Yep. And they were talking and I think my uncle Mike was like, oh, my nephew's going to Springfield college. And you know, Teddy being Teddy was like, oh, let, let me talk to him. And so that's how laces came about. Um, I remember also being like the only grad student with a bunch of undergrads and, who all knew each other cause they were all in the physical education realm. And, you know, I, I, it takes me a while to warm up. And so <laughs> I remember sitting, you know, in East campus and they're all talking, we're doing some training. I'm like, I, I feel so awkward. <laughs> I'm, I'm easily like six or seven years older than the rest of these people. Um, I don't know anyone. This is new to me. I'm excited about it, but I don't know what to do. Again, challenging myself like I challenge other people in the work we do. Um, and then I think once it started, it just kind of blended. It was just like really good to go. I, I had an apartment in Northampton, so I wasn't really staying in the dorms, yep. but I did challenge myself to stay in the dorms a couple of times. And that really made the difference is being around more instead of isolating myself from it and doing that work and figuring out how other people engage and challenging myself to engage in different ways than just what I was used to. Um, really, I feel like helped me open up and, and to learn how to engage uh, different youth in different ways, yeah. instead of just my own way. And, you know, like I said, a, a lot of friendships came from that, but uh, also a lot of fun, uh, being delirious, <laughs> like two in the morning on overnight, sleeping yeah. in a lit hallway on mattresses. <laughs> um, you just kind of form connections and really good connections. And helping the kids do research and helping them organize and, you know, just really having those connecting points with, with kids that we may never have connected with before yeah. because we were college students um, was amazing. And then Teddy asked me to come back the second year and I was uh, program managing. Um, and so that was a lot of fun too, to take on a different role with that, uh, different adaptations and, and have fun with, with, um, you know, people who were there the year before. Um, definitely different though, because I was living with them and <laughs> they were underage at times and I was, you know, kind of in charge of them. So I couldn't really condition and hang out with them if they were underage and they were drinking, but also setting firm limits. Um, but also a lot of fun. We, we made up this thing called the force death, which was like, you know, the power of the force, um, yeah. the force choke and stuff like that. 
we made up this thing this year called the force death. And if you extend your hand like this and kind of just do a tap down in front of you, uh, the other person who saw it had to pretend like they died and just like fall, <laughs> fall down. And we, we would snipe people with it because they'd be walking with the kids and we're just like, oh, <laughs> and then they would do that. And the kids would be like, what is happening? And I remember Ansel specifically, it might've been John and some other, uh, cause I had to do the, the conversation before the presentations of the research. So yep. They challenged me to try to force death all the parents, uh, find a way to do it in my presentation. So on the spot, I was up there, I was talking about the week and I talked about, you know, we started this far apart and then we came together to the zenith that we're here now. And I did a forced death to bring it down. <laughs> In the background, I just saw all the people, all the, all the staff just kind of fall to the side. <laughs> and they were laughing and, and it, like it, it worked seamlessly, but like some parents turned around and like, why, why are all those what is staff going members on? cracking up? <laughs> um, so like the, the staff uh, connections take that away, but also working with the kids. It, it's a different, like seeing them come on for the day, way different than spending like 24 hours, uh, five days yeah. a week with them and, and seeing in them in vulnerable states, not some of those kids have never been away from home. Um, oh, the never. overnight at East campus was uh, of epic pr pr proportions every time. And it was so, so cool. Cause it was, it's in the heart of Springfield. Yeah. You can see lights and you can hear horns and cars, but to those, the, to the campers, the students, the young adults, it was like, we were in some, deep jungle safari and it, yeah. it you want to talk about asking kids to really get out of their element that, <laughs> yeah. that one cool, overnight it's, it's so cool oh so awesome and two one this is going uh, jake treadwell i believe was another grad student but teddy preferred to lock him in a room and just made him cut film up so that's probably why you thought you were the only other grad yeah, student. Okay. Jake, jake was there but teddy hit him from general public consumption um and what was cool about that, it was the two week program. And the first night you meet, you know, before the event, you do the, the parent kind of orientation thing and yeah. it's everybody's kind of on eggshells. And then at the end, when everybody comes back for the presentations, just the, the beaming pride and like, like the buy-in from the parents that over a short oh, period of time, so, so cool. It's a quick turnaround, even though that second week, it seems like it goes on forever. Uh, it's cool to see them because there, there are these connections. And actually, if you, I think it's episode three, Johnny Tran was one of the kids from either the first year or the second year that we had. And, um, you know, throughout the years, we, we would bump into each other. He, worked, he works at Texas Roadhouse in Springfield. So I always see him there and, um, you know, he and I, because I went to Texas Roadhouse a lot, would talk. And so we became friends on social media. And then when, you know, we would talk randomly and he would comment on my pictures of like doing the human flag or whatever silly thing I was doing. And he became a Marine and is being an entrepreneurial, you know, like going forward and trying to do real estate and dipping his hands in a lot of stuff and becoming a real leader. And so that's why I asked him to come on the podcast because it was really cool to still have that connection 10 years after I'd seen him for the first time uh, in a different facet. It's so cool to have that connection throughout the years and, and celebrate it. 
without a doubt. And it, and I think it goes to show too, when you, you know, in the work that you do um, in the experiential skill building work, when you can work with a group of, uh, of people for a prolonged period of time in this intense environment, it's amazing what can happen over, you know, in the grand scheme of things, two weeks is nothing. Right. Um, but it's unbelievable looking what can the transformations that could happen individually and then um, you know amongst the, the the groups that they were in in you know at the end of the day what's a, a really short period of time and it can turn into lasting connections yeah. and if it's not a lasting connection there's the the fact that i think you can you know at the end of the summer you could say I, you know i had an impact on you know 200 you know youths and young adults and and you know it's kind of crazy it's unbelievable um what better that way they to can get put up this. with me for that long. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real training. Like, right. oh, can you put up with Steve for two weeks? That's Z. <laughs> put it on your resume if you make it. <laughs> I'll sign off. I'll write a recommendation. <laughs> um, at Empower, we define leadership in, in three levels. All right. Okay. So there's the first level is leadership of self, and that's uh, the, the internal ability of one to coach through challenge, adversity, fear, temptation. The, the second level is, is kind of the, the level that I think that everybody thinks of when you, when you talk about leadership. It's that, you know, motivating, inspiring a group of people to achieve some sort of shared goal. And, and, and then the third level is uh, we refer to as the, the leadership legacy. So in an interaction um, with, between two people, what one person, you know, leaves behind either with that person or with that, that physical space once they move on from it in your personal professional journey um give us a challenge internally that you've had to face that you've had to coach yourself through we'll start there and then we'll work through the three levels of leadership after the subsequent two levels of leadership after that okay um personal journey uh, the big one that comes up to for me a lot is my own history with anxiety and depression and uh, an eating disorder. Um, so really, you know, it comes about still sometimes, but not to the same extent that it used to. Um, but that was a real struggle for me to try to navigate with holding secrets and not wanting people to know and kind of trying to figure it out on my own and not really knowing what it was and feeling ashamed, but also feeling compelled to keep going and, and, and kind of managing that. And my eating disorder was what we call uh, emotional overeating disorder. Um, so not necessarily bulimia or anorexia or anything uh, specific like that, but just really there's no purging or restricting, but really just being anxious and depressed and really turning to food to manage that yeah. and eating a bunch of food. Um, you know, I, I say a couple of times, like 10 slices of pizza at times, eating normal four or five slices. And then when you know, my parents or siblings went somewhere else. I'd take three to four slices in the basement and eat them, kind of hiding. So a personal thing. Um, if you want to go through the levels, like that interpersonal thing, I had to really, really struggled with it. And to the point where I never even realized it was an eating disorder. I just thought I liked food a lot. Uh, and then I'm in the training for Y12SR to do uh, recovery. And everyone's talking about their own addictions and I was like oh shit <laughs> I had a food addiction I had a behavioral addiction to to an eating disorder and it kind of came together for me in that aspect and 
And so I really had to struggle with that and really do some introspection, which was not comfortable, which was not fun, but really connect some dots and then start making changes once I realized what was going on. Um, the second stage would be like helping others, right? Like you were saying, yep. um, there's a connection to that in what, what I do at work, but then also talking to siblings or, or uh, family members or friends who are also struggling with that and, and not telling them how to solve it, but really trying to cultivate that introspection and turning towards these emotions rather than turning away from them to avoid yep. them. And then legacy, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think just creating like the nonprofit I, I'm hoping is my legacy to kind of create something of that nature to create this community space that's welcoming and not judgmental and, and can kind of work on that. But beyond that, also cultivating that knowledge of, you know, my own kid and my own um, progeny, I guess you could say, of, of what I've learned passing that on to them. So, you know, I mentioned before episode one with my sister and how my parents listened to half of it and got, were upset because we, we kind of threw them under the bus, not meaning to, about nutritional understanding, right? Um, and I really wanted to change that for my daughter because I think, you know, as young women grow up, there's a lot of pressure on that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, statistically more so with women uh, eating disorders, but, you know, across the board for non-binary, for men, for, for women, for trans women, for trans men, it, it doesn't matter. Everyone's susceptible to it. Yeah. Um, but I really worry. I don't want her to have to go through the same thing I had to go through. So I would try to educate her and, you know, she hears people talk about calories and she's like, what is that? And I was like, that's energy. You need food to run around like a crazy woman. She's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay, give me all the food. Um, and then she zips around the house. Um, but I, I, that would be those two things, the nonprofit and, um, you know, passing on my, what, what I've learned to help um, my daughter be rational and, and, and balance out that stuff. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, well, well said, well thought out answers. I appreciate you. your, uh, your, your upfrontness and honesty there, Steve. I made this, <laughs> it's not a segment, but I'm going to, I made this segment up because <laughs> following you on social media. Okay. <laughs> all right. Oh, so boy. this next segment is push-ups, pancakes, and positivity. Push-ups, pancakes, and positivity. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. So if you uh, if you're following Steve on like personal side of social, every other day I see some new form of a push up that I never knew existed. Yep. <laughs> Today I think baby Yoda pancakes I believe. Baby Yoda pancakes. Much better than the Chewbacca pancakes. Ugh, that was a hard one. <laughs> that was a hard one. And then, you know what I what I appreciate is in on social media it could be the wild west of negativity and things to bring people down mm -hmm. and i you know what i what i like is that you don't that that stuff's not necessarily part of your your routine what's what's the deal with the push-up stuff and how many different types of push-ups can you do 
Oh man, that's a <laughs> tough one. Uh, well, let's say, so the push-up thing, why I'm posting every day is because I got challenged to one of those 25 push-ups for 25 days for breaking the stigma on mental health. I usually don't do those because I get tagged in a, in a bunch because I like exercising and body weight exercising is, is kind of my thing. Um, and it just hit me because my friend Lauren tagged me in it on the day of birth of my friend who, does my, who did my tattoos passed away of suicide. Um, so he passed away last November. It was his birthday. She tagged me in it. She didn't know him. And I was like, well, I'm doing this because it's kind of a sign to, to I, I want to honor Jeremy and kind of do this. Uh, plus, I like this, this stuff. And so most people do the 25 push-ups and they post it. I was like, I know a lot of push-ups. Uh, I'm going to do something new each day to keep it going. Uh, I did, today was day 21, so I'm, I'm almost done. I'm running out of ideas for push-ups, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'm sure there's much more, but, you know, working and doing a lot of stuff, it's, it's hard to come up with. Uh, not that I'm coming up with them, but to think of the new styles. But um, So that's where the push-ups come from, from my love of progressive callus. That, that I'm certified in this, I can't even say. Progressive calisthenics. It's a mouthful, um, man. That's a mouthful, yeah. though. Yeah. And so, like, the concept there is body weight exercises and progressing to harder challenges so that, you know, when you're lifting, you can add more weight. With body weight stuff, you you take away a limb and it makes it harder and, yep. and you can you can train that way. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's where the push-ups came from. Uh, I did a couple one-arm push-ups. Like, I had to switch back and forth, so I did five on each arm to add up to 25. Uh, that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my form was terrible on the end of it. Um, but it was fun to do. Um, so I, I got a couple more days coming on that. Pancakes uh, came from my dad when we were younger would always make us pancakes and do shapes for us. Um, my daughter cannot eat gluten. So I make her buckwheat uh, waffles or pancakes from scratch every morning. And I wanted to do that with her. And so I would, I would do it just with a spatula which was okay. And then I think for Father's Day, my wife got me squirt bottles. So I load up the batter in a squirt bottle. And nice. My daughter won't tell me what she wants. She's like, surprise me. And I have to make stuff up every morning. <laughs> uh, so it keeps me on, on my toes, but I like doing it. It's a lot of fun. And sometimes things work like the baby Yoda. Sometimes they don't like Chewbacca. Um, but it's still for sure she enjoys them every time what's, what's your them. best what's your best in your, in your uh, humble pancake opinion what's been the best uh humble pancake version? opinion <laughs> portraits of my mom and dad um I'll, I'll hit you up with them they're on facebook but they're they're way back um i did uh, portraits of my mom first and then my dad and they came, <laughs> they were surprisingly like close to like you could tell who they were <laughs> Probably my best one. All right. And worst? Worst ones. Uh, I tried to do a portrait of my nephew, Lincoln, and it looked like a hipster. Um, <laughs> it's hard to capture youth in pancake art. And it's really not the art that makes it worse. I think it's worse when it falls apart. Like when you have to flip them over, it's really, you lose pieces. Um, so probably those she my daughter gets so mad at me she's like you're gonna flip it right i'm like i'm making you 
customized pancakes. No other dad really does this. You can't get these anywhere. <laughs> you know? But it's funny because my, my mom is like, you should do like birthday parties. And I'm like, okay, mom, thank you for supporting me. But again, like you were saying about your parents listening to the podcast, you're a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I might open it up for people to send me ideas. So, because again, I'm running out of ideas. Like, I think you should. So many Paw Patrol characters you can do. So, push up ideas and pancake ideas. We'll throw these in the notes so you can get those yeah. over to Steve because he's uh, he's always interested in learning more. <laughs> yeah. Another definitely. great quality of of leadership that lifelong learning, that desire to be curious and learn at all times. Like, throw him some abstract pancake styles. He will figure I love it out. It. I'll figure it out. I want to add color to them at some point, but <laughs> I don't have the time right now. Uh, positivity just comes from, actually in the webinar, I talk a little bit about optimism and it's a positivity is an interesting thing because it's always used with negativity and everyone talks about, oh, you've got to be positive. You've got to be positive. There is such a thing as toxic positivity yes. where it's like you try to make it happen and just smile through it. Um, and I like to use terms, even though I'm wearing a hashtag positivity hat right now, um, which is a, a, an awesome um, um, company. So you guys should check them out too. They have clothing lines and they do some fun stuff locally. Um, I like to use the term generative versus limiting instead. Um, so when you talk about optimism, it's not always positive and negative. Uh, I like to think of it as generative versus limited meaning sometimes you just get dealt a crappy hand and there's no put a smile on it that's going to make it through but if you look for the generative rather than the positive the best outcome in that um, that's a good guiding line to kind of align to yeah right? love it. Love so that's that's where that comes from love it um obviously and you touched on this a little earlier in the episode and and you know anytime you turn on the news or you go through a Twitter or Facebook feed, you're seeing, you know, you're hearing talk about the impact the pandemic has had on mental health. Yeah. Um, if you had to share just some sort of uplifting, inspirational message for someone who might be, or, uh, you know, a bit of wisdom for someone who might be, you know, experiencing some impact uh, be, because of what's going on, what would that be? Um, Man, it really put me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough, tough thing. I was, I was going to try to use our one F word in here, but I, I'll save that for you. <laughs> Just slip it in wherever you want. Um, so I, I think the whole thing with the pandemic and COVID and, and you know, shifts in what's happening in, in the country, it's really hard and a lot of it seems out of our control. Um, the way to look at this is not to try to find control over COVID or, or the pandemic, but try to find a mastery or some kind of control that is generative towards for you. Yeah. Meaning you can't change if a person wears a mask, you can't change how people are going to react to the politics behind this. You can't change the limitations of going grocery shopping or the fact that you can't do certain things. But what you can do is look at where you can find some realistic, and I mean real control for yourself to help you manage through this and not fake control so like we often think we're we're choosing control for me it was food oh i'm in control of what i eat that was fake control because really it perpetuated my my concerns yeah it made my anxiety worse it made my depression worse uh, same thing 
being on screens all day, fake control, right? It, watching, binge watching Netflix. That it has its time and its place. I, I love me some uh, Great British Bake Off. I'll watch multiple <laughs> episodes of that. But I think really asking yourself like, okay, what can I do here that is going to give me some kind of stability in the face of all this stuff? And sometimes it can be learning a new habit, going for a walk, spending time with loved ones if you can, even if it's social distancing, exercising, um, keeping up your routines, reading books. For, for me, meditation yeah. and exercise are, are my thing. Not that I'm in control of the world, but it's one piece I can say, hey, for right now, I'm going to be present. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to be here. And that's how I get control over my anxiety or my fears. I love it. Love it. That's a great, great bit of advice there. And um, we talk a lot about in our team building programs, the concept of, of control the controllable and you know, how much energy and time and, and focus is wasted on all of that stuff that we can't change. Um, and, you know, when we start to dial in on those things that, you know, we can, we can have a say in how it goes and what we do, um, you know, we find that, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, um, you know, in our instance, it's a lot of, you know, the, the pipeline activity is such a one where like, what's the other team? What's the other team doing? And they're beating us. They're falling behind. And then you drop the ball. So yeah, that's a good about how that type of stuff, you know, when you harness it in on what, what you can, what you can impact it, it makes a difference in that particular activity. And, and I hope your, uh, your note resonates with somebody and makes this, you know, pretty much crappy situation uh, a little less crappy for people yeah. and, and more positive. I did buy the pipeline, so I'm not using paper plates for that. So I got one pipeline. So that's uh, I I made ours, and they they're they're so homemade. But I, <laughs> I I'm having trouble. Like we're talking about getting some new ones that are like yeah. brand You're like no. Really, <laughs> I'm like I don't know, man. I kind of like that one piece that you can't really fit in the other tube, and it always yeah. causes a you know a drop or the ball to stop or whatever. It, it makes for good good entertainment value. Real life. Uh, really. <laughs> I, I've been batting around this. I, I've been batting around these last two questions. Okay. Because uh, it, I heard you ask a guest these as your closing questions. And I don't know if yeah. you've ever had the opportunity to answer these questions yourself. I have, um, but I'll answer them again. Cause I like them. Um, so Steve's in, am I correct in this? This is, these are the closing questions for every episode you've recorded. Uh, almost every episode. Almost. There are maybe one or two. There's one for sure with my, it's a great episode, actually. It's uh, Dr. Khadija Tulit. Um, I didn't ask that because we got really into anti-racism and, um, you know, what we can do about it. And I didn't want to spoil the mood that we were in because it finished so perfectly for me uh, that I just kind of threw them out. Yeah. Um, and then I may have forgotten <laughs> to ask him one time. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the majority. So Steve's two questions and we'll hear his answers are, um, what superpower would you want and why? Mm -hmm. And then the follow-up is what your actual superpower is and why. So super intrigued uh, to, to hear what you say and to share okay. your thoughts with our, our listeners to close things off here. So Steve, the floor is yours, my friend. All right. So, I ask those questions because I think about them all the time. Um, since I was young, I love comic books. I love superheroes. I don't have it up in our new office yet, but uh, I have a homemade Captain America shield that usually goes up on the wall really? in my office. Yeah, you can wear it because it's got leather straps that I, uh, 
attached to the inside. It was a Halloween uh, adventure I, I went on to make. Um, so uh, two, I'll give you one. I'll keep you guessing on the other one. Um, <laughs> one of them is, so if we're in a world where superpowers exist, right, the impossible exists. So everything's possible. Um, my superpower would be to control probability, meaning in this world, what are the, what's the likelihood I can shoot lasers out of my eyes? Uh, one in a million. Okay, I'm not one. I can shoot lasers out of my eyes. So essentially, it's a hack to give me every superpower I want. <laughs> it's not very interesting. I told you, I, I've spent years thinking about this stuff. Um, my superpower, I go back and forth on this because, again, introspection is a hard thing. And it's hard to really talk about um, what you do well. But I think the more I think about it, um, my superpower is to always have a beginner's mind and to always work on evolving. And I don't mean that in a way where I'm going to go Super Saiyan or, you know, Pokemon level three or whatever on, on people. Um, but I mean that in a way of, you know, trying to bring a beginner's mind to new things, even if I have some kind of doubt about them. Oh, that, that, that's got to be like four voice cracks for me now. Um, even if I have some doubt about it and really trying to see other people's uh, perspectives so I can get a full understanding of what's going on in the situation. And then the evolving is, I firmly believe part of life, the meaning of life is change and really even in really crappy situations, trying to embrace like, okay, how can I change through this? How can I evolve my state of mind? How can I evolve my theory on this or learn from this to, to kind of get a new perspective? Yeah. And I'm not the best at it, but it is a skill that I, I feel like I, I've cultivated pretty well. And I, you know, I always be in, bring introspection into that to see if, if I'm doing it or if I'm going to call myself a, a not a fraud, but I call myself out on it when I'm yeah. not doing it. Like, why aren't you doing it now? Oh, because it's uncomfortable. That's when you should do it. Okay, thanks, Steve. I'll move forward. Internal dialogue, Steve. I think, so if you're having trouble with the voice cracks across the board, you should talk to Ansel to see if he'll be like your, your voice guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hold up like cue cards, you know? Let me text uh, him right now, Ansel. <laughs> um. But Steve, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a Friday evening, um, a family. I appreciate you taking the time in your you know, work and personal schedule to, to join the Lead With Empower podcast. Crushed it. There's a ton of great stuff in there awesome. that Thank you. has nothing to do with sports and, and can really apply to, you know, anything that you're going to do in life. And, um, you know, fi finishing, finishing off, I, I loved the – the the last concept that you touched on about the 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 last questions that you bring into your episodes because I truly do believe that everybody has some element of superpower in them and it's really just you know about having the courage to to find it and the strength to find it and relying on the people around you sometimes when you need that extra kick in the ass to find it um, but we all have it in us and and you know, find it, bring it out, be proud of it. And that's what makes, uh, makes people so special uh, is those unique talents that, that we all bring to the table and shouldn't be, shouldn't be hidden, shouldn't be something that we're embarrassed about, should be something that we're proud of. Because if, if we can get more people thinking like that and coming together, embracing those different 
superpowers that we have, it'll be, a, you know, I think it'll be a much better place than, than where we're at right now. And Steve, the work you're doing is helping people find that and man, keep it up, keep on rolling. Um, we'll be following along. And again, for our listeners, the prometheanproject.org um, to, to, to stay up to date with what they're doing there. Um, the, the, their podcast episodes. Um, but Steve, can't thank you enough. Thank you, sir. Uh, you're very welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Steve Opelinik. He leads with Empower. Another home run. The streak is alive. Thank <laughs> you so much. Go out there, be safe, and hey, find that superpower. Bring it out. Show your friends. Be proud of it. We'll talk to you all soon. Be safe. Take care. Get after it. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.